You're listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast with Jody Livingston, episode number eight. Let's do this. Welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast, helping you survive and thrive in youth ministry. And now your host, Jody Livingston. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening today, wherever you are and wherever this finds you. Thanks for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, thanks for coming over and listening. And if you are coming back, well, thanks for coming back. If you're enjoying the podcast, you find the podcast helpful, please share it with other youth pastors, youth workers that you know, or other folks that would enjoy it and find it useful. And especially head over to iTunes and subscribe there to the podcast, write and leave a review um, for the podcast. That That is so helpful for me, just encouraging for me to see and read uh, to read those and that. It also helps other youth pastors and youth workers find the podcast, and so that's helpful. Thanks so much for the folks who've already done that and gone over there and left those reviews. I really appreciate it more than I can tell you, and so uh, if you have time, please consider doing that for me. I would appreciate it. You can also catch me on Twitter at Jody Livingston, J-O-D-Y Livingston, and of course The Longer Hall on Facebook and at The Longer Hall Dot com. All of the links and resources mentioned in today's episode will be in the show notes at thelongerhall.com slash episode 008, thelongerhall.com slash the episode 008. And so head over there after the show for all of those goodies. Our guest today on the show is Aaron Hellman from smarteryouthministry.com. If you're not familiar with his blog or have not read, seen any of his stuff, I would highly recommend it to you. It's really, really good, very useful, very helpful for youth pastors and youth workers. He does a lot there with time management, just how to manage your ministry smarter and better so that you don't burn out, that you can stay in youth ministry over the longer haul, make a deeper, better, broader influence in the students and families that you serve. So definitely head over there and check it out. We're going to talk today about an issue that we're all facing in youth ministry and student ministry, and that is this issue and idea that we are seeing of students being so overcommitted, so busy, parents and families just running at both ends. And so we're going to talk about that. How do we address that? How do we approach that? What are the right and wrong ways to do that? And of course, at the end of the episode, Aaron's going to give a resource um, for you that he recommend for us. And so you want to make sure you stick around to the end of the episode to hear that. And with that said, we'll jump right in here to the interview with Aaron Hellman from SmarterYouthMinistry.com. Hey, Aaron, thanks for coming on the show, man. I appreciate you taking the time to do this. I know you and I have tried to do this a few times and just schedule has kind of kept us from from sitting down and talking. Uh, so I appreciate you taking the time to do it today. Hey, I am excited to be here. Um, it is winter in northern Indiana, which is not the most exciting time or place, but uh, I'm happy to talk to you. Yeah, we're down here in the metro Atlanta area, and it's it's cold. Not quite as cold as you, I'm sure. It's cold. But we've got family in Montana, and it was 51 degrees there yesterday, which seems a little backwards. Yeah, I will start driving to Montana immediately. Yeah, it's cold with no snow here. So it's just cold for no reason. Right. Which is awful. Um, so for those listening uh, who may not know you, may not be familiar with your blog over at SmarterYouthMinistry.com, um, why don't you just take a minute, introduce yourself a little bit about your journey to youth ministry, why why the blog, and uh, and then we'll jump in from there. 
Sure. Well, uh, here's here's the story, the quick version of the story that I tell. Um, I started in youth ministry as a 20 year old college student, part time. I graduate ended up graduating from school with a business degree, and uh, have been doing youth ministry for the last uh, 12 years now. And uh, the interesting thing, when I was in school, they had launched a youth ministry program, and uh, they recruited me pretty heavy to to join the youth ministry program. But at that point, I was already um, two years into school. I was on track to graduate in four years. And if I changed my major, it was going to be like a five, five-and-a-half-year proposition. I really didn't want to do that. So I, I ended up not um, joining the youth ministry program, and I, I got the business degree instead of a youth ministry degree. But I stayed very close to um, the people who were in the youth ministry program. And so we all graduated, you know, within uh, six months or a year of one another. And we all were in youth ministry. We we're all working youth ministry jobs. And I remember meeting with everyone just one day talking and catching up and talking about ministry. And within 18 months, so a year and a half after that date, I was the only one of us who was still doing youth ministry. Wow. So uh, um, the six of my friends who got a youth ministry degree were out of youth ministry. Um, mostly they were out of the church. They were done with the church. They had sworn off the church. And I, with my business degree, was still still plugging along. And uh, that always made me curious um, um, what, what made me different. And as I got older and, and gained some experience and started to talk with more youth workers, I realized that the reason that, that I was able to make it through my first few years in youth ministry and that other people weren't was because of the, the skills that I'd learned getting a business degree, things like uh, managing budgets or managing volunteers or communication, things that aren't necessarily um, emphasized as much in a typical youth ministry education. And so, uh, you know, I've always said, like, if, if you are, uh, if you are not the best at speaking with teens or leading a small group, the church will have a lot of grace and you can learn those skills over the course of a year or two. But if you screw up your budget, you're, you're gone almost immediately. And so I learned how to do those things. And, uh, people who kind of have that traditional youth ministry education, I, I sometimes think that's missing. And so I started Smarter Youth Ministry. Uh, smarteryouthministry.com about four or five years ago now. I'm not, I actually don't remember. I don't really know what year it is now, but I started that because I realized that I had these skills and this knowledge that I'd picked up that had been instrumental to, to me being able to do youth ministry. And I thought that was something I could pass along to other people. Yeah. And man, I can't agree more with that. You find uh, a lot of, I think what you see a lot of times is you have you have people who grow up in the church or at least come to faith during that that kind of youth group period, really excited about that season of life and how God worked in them during their kind of jump into youth ministry. Some some folks genuinely called into youth ministry, but you know, they go away to school, they come away, they don't really have the skill set to manage the ministry. And and a lot of times we want to over spiritualize kind of this calling of ministry, and and we focus on some things, maybe, but we neglect the things that are going to really support and can and help you do this long term and not burn out, not quit, not get fired, not get frustrated. Um, so, man, I, I, I 100% agree with that. Yeah, I've said, uh, I have a friend who graduated from uh, IU Kelly School of Business with a master's degree 
in finance. Okay. So this guy has seven years of training in finance and he went out and got a job in the corporate world. And he was the low man on a five man team whose job was to administrate this, um, like, you know, $2 million budget or whatever. Um, he had seven years of financial training and he went and got a job. And with seven years of financial training, they were not even close to trusting him with a budget. Um, what happens when you get a youth ministry job? It, it's actually one of the few jobs in the world where from day one, you're typically entrusted to manage a sum of money over the course of 12 months and come out at the end, you know, having spent that amount of money or less. And youth ministers are given extremely little training in how to do that. Yeah, I mean, just basic things like managing money, your budget, ministry budget, managing your time, which I know you do a lot with that as well. Recruiting, managing leaders, training leaders. There's the publicity, you know, aspect of your trying to promote you're planning events, you're planning a calendar. I, I mean, there are a lot of things and skills that are assumed for a youth pastor when they're hired. And they're not always, you know, as a youth pastor coming into that, especially, you know, 20 years old, you were 20, I was 18. I didn't know anything, you know, and so you just hope you don't get fired and you figure it out along the way. And unfortunately, that that doesn't always happen. Oh, absolutely. I remember, I remember my first, um, it was my first month. I was in charge of a fundraiser that was expected to make uh, $4,000. And uh, I had taken some classes in nonprofit um, finance. And so I understood, you know, some of the basic principles of fundraising and things like that. But I remember thinking, man, if I showed up because I wanted to, uh, you know, you know, do the things that I typically think are youth pastor things, you know, hang out with kids, go to Taco Bell, do talks, have a dodgeball tournament. Like I would be in over my head from day one. And I, I was just so thankful that I was um, partially equipped. I don't, I don't even think I was fully equipped with some training to do that. But I, I just couldn't imagine being totally unready for your first assignment. So just real quick, and then I want to I want to kind of move into what I, what I really want to tackle today. But for the youth pastor, the youth worker, the volunteer who's listening, who doesn't have the business background that maybe you do, I mean, would you say, hey, that that's not an excuse, right? Go find the resources that are out there. Um, there's plenty of stuff. You, you need to work on those areas and those skills. And at the same time, I would also say, you don't have to be great at everything. You can bring folks alongside you who are strong in those areas, but you've got to be intentional to do so. Yeah, I, I would say, you know, I'm I'm always amazed there are, are youth pastors and, and pastors who have master's degrees and have spent, you know, seventy or eighty thousand dollars on their education to get where they are. Um you can go to a community college and take a a basic accounting class or a basic finance class for, for two hundred and fifty bucks, and that will give you the foundation you need. Because you're right, you don't have to be um, you don't have to be perfect at it. You don't have to be amazing at it. You can find people to help you who are a lot smarter than you, but you've got to have that basic level. And uh, I would say, yeah, it, absolutely. But not knowing one of your core responsibilities is not an excuse not to do it. Um, there are plenty of ways and plenty of resources out there to help you learn how to do it. Yeah, I 100% wholeheartedly agree in that. If you can't manage those types of things, it doesn't really matter how how much of a heart you have for teens and parents and families, or how much you love the Lord, you're just not going to be able to sustain a ministry. And 
that doesn't sound really spiritual, but it's just the facts of where where we are. Yeah. Let's let's change something for just a second and talk about uh, you've written a lot lately, especially uh, just about how committed, overcommitted, and how busy this generation is. And in in the last episode, in episode seven, I, I interviewed Steve Parr, and he's done some research on why those students who graduate from our ministries and uh, go off and stay, those students who stay in the faith and don't so, quote unquote graduate from God, what are those things that are keeping them? One of the things that we talked about in that interview was that, um, you know, parents who were involved, who were serving in the church, it was unbelievable, the percentage uh, of how much that helped students stay in the faith for the long, you know, for the longer haul of their life. And so we start talking about how busy they are as students and families. I mean, this is a big issue, and you've written on this, this quite a bit lately, especially. Yeah. And what, what I'm trying to, I think what I'm trying to accomplish is just to help educate youth workers a little bit, maybe make us, um, a little more empathetic because the research that's out about teenagers right now says they are wildly overscheduled. Um, the typical teenager experiences a longer work day than their parents do. So they're between school and homework and everything else. The amount of time that they're booked uh, for schoolwork is more than the amount of time their parents are booked for work work. And then you throw on extracurricular activities and parental pressures and sports and all that. And, and so the the typical response of a youth worker is to lament this, to say they've got time to play basketball and soccer and lacrosse and be in band, but they never have time to come to youth group. And I get that because I've been there, but I, I don't think our response should be um, anger or, or frustration or or just to be upset with students. I see a lot of that because in addition to being overscheduled, they're sleeping less, uh, almost two hours a night less than uh, teenagers were 15 years ago. That's huge. And uh, their diet is worse, uh, partially as a as a, a byproduct of being so busy, more fast food, more vending machine food, that kind of thing. And if you talk to any doctor about what, what someone who is a teenager, who's hormonal, who's underslept, who's overstressed and who's eating poorly and is and is really not yet emotionally mature enough to deal with all that. A doctor will say that person's sick. Yeah. And uh, and what our what our teenagers need is is love and rest. And Jesus promises that he says, come to me, all you who are weary and need rest. And instead of giving students that message from Scripture, we're typically trying to get them to commit to our stuff, either in addition to everything else or to drop everything else. Um, we're, we're, we've become another person pulling at their time instead of showing them the Jesus who says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone listening can look around in their youth ministries and see that just in the students that we serve. They're running 100 miles an hour nonstop. And so how then do we go about doing what you're talking about? How do we come and say, hey, this is you know, man, the gospel is good and rich, and Jesus promises rest, not more burden. Well, I think the first thing we got to do is uh, is we got to stop adding more burden. You know what I mean? Um, I, I love youth group. I love youth ministry. Um, but if a student tells me they can't come to Bible study and prayer group and youth group this week, 
I've got to be at least understanding, at least empathetic to where they're coming from, not immediately go to, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. You need to be doing this. Um, because those things are, are good. Those things are great. We should do them. Um, but we need to be very careful that we're not adding to that burden. Um, and so I think, you know, some people will actually teach on priorities. I think that's great. If you're not going to teach on, on helping students set priorities, don't be upset when students can't set priorities. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I think another part of it is, is I try to look at my calendar and I try to say, how can I pack more value into the time that I have with, with students? And, uh, if I have a student who says, I can't come to the Nerf war because I have homework, I need to really step back and say, is Nerf war that important? I mean, I mean, that's fellowship and there's maybe going to be some good stuff that goes on there, but I can't act like everything that I do is, is the most important thing that should be on their schedule. I have a student who, uh, we've been talking about Christian colleges and stuff. And the reason he's busting his butt. Um, in school and, and extracurriculars is because he knows his family can't afford for him to go to a Christian school, but his heart's set on it. And, uh, and so he's, he's really, really pushing himself to get a scholarship. And yeah. so that really puts me in a, do I say, you know, you need to, school should be less important. I don't want to say that to him. I don't think I should say that to him. Yeah, I definitely think there is a huge component that we often miss of just being uh, not just even intentional with the time that we have them, but beyond that, even like just our schedule and considering the family in how we schedule things, you know, and, and summers are crazy enough for, you know, without anything else. And then we schedule just an insane amount of things that we're trying to get every student to. And you piggyback that with, our approach typically can be more guilt and shame than we missed you. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I've said this before. If we're using uh, guilt and shame as a strategy to get people to show up to hear our message of grace, man, we're messing up. That, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, that seems to be the trump card is, you know, man, if you really love Jesus, you'd be at church. And, you know, I mean... Like anything, there's truth to that to an extent, right? But we've got to be careful that we're not teaching kids, do this, 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 and that makes you a good Christian. And if you, you know, if you do this, this, and this, and this, well, then you're, you're not a very good Christian. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and, you know, from a strategic standpoint, I, I would, I've challenged myself to say, you know, if I really believe that I have to have th a student active in three different programs during the week for this to be effective, then I've probably got the wrong strategy. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you something else. This is kind of some fascinating stuff. I don't have hard numbers or research to back this up. It's all kind of anecdotal. Um, but when you talked earlier about students holding on to their faith when they go to college, it's been my experience that students who are busier in high school actually have an easier time holding on to their faith. Um, I, I, like I said, I don't have numbers. I don't have hard research, but that's just what I've noticed in my own ministry. And I think one of the reasons for that is that, um, whether or not you were busy in high school, you're going to be busy in college. Um, yes. college is a busy time. So if I have a kid who's involved in extracurricular activities in high school and still holds on to his faith, then that kid can go to college and be busy and still hold on to his faith. 
if I have a kid in high school who uh, isn't involved in anything and is at youth group three times a week, like we, we lift that up as if that's the, the best thing. That kid goes to college and becomes busy. And all of a sudden now he doesn't know how to handle it. And mom and dad aren't there to push him to church. Those are the kids that I've seen that tend to fall away the most. Yeah. And I mean, by no means are we saying don't do youth activities, right? I mean, for the for the listeners sitting here going, oh, you're right. We should cancel all this stuff. That's not what we're saying. No, absolutely not. Don't go back to your pastor and say, I listened to this podcast on youth ministry and they said we should cancel all our youth group activities. That's that's not what we're saying. Just be intentional with the time that you do have. Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, youth ministry is really about relationships. And you you need to leverage those to the fullest in every in every scenario that you have. And Look, some of the best ministry I've done ever in my life was when I was a bivocational youth pastor working four jobs in the church, uh, you know, and it was just in, hey, I've got to run up to Home Depot. Let me pick you up on the way. Mm -hmm. And just those conversations along the way or, you know, I've got to do yard work. Why don't you come over and help? You know, and it's that's, like that's a win-win, right? There. That's a yeah. win-win. In in all seriousness, like I've got help, which I need, and I'm spending time with the student. That's my go-to trick, man. Yeah, don't don't miss those opportunities because even the busiest student, I mean, will take advantage of those opportunities when they can. Yeah, and and you mentioned that, and I just this this thought popped in my head as I'm thinking about students that I've called to help me rake leaves and stuff like that. And it's never quite clicked with me before until just now, but I have students who would much rather come rake leaves with me than come to youth group. Yes, for sure. I've got a student who right now um, will not come to church and, and part of it is schedule. Okay. And this is, it's actually, this is actually a college student. So they, they're technically not in youth ministry anymore, but they graduated a few years ago. I ran into them. Uh, a couple months ago out and just said, Hey, you know, I've missed you. How are you? How's life? And, uh, we just said, let me take you. I said, Hey, let me take you to lunch. What's a good day. Let's go to lunch. So we go to lunch and the, you know, it, the conversation was real straightforward. How can I, man, what can I do to help and encourage you? I was not prepared for the answer I got. I was expecting something really spiritual, like, well, just pray for me. Or he said to me, I just like to get together and hang out once a week. Oh man, I can do that, right? Mm-hmm. So come over to the house, and so that's what's been happening—just once a week, coming and hanging out. And do I want him to come back in church and be back and plugged in, and involved in church? Absolutely, absolutely. Is there need for him to be in there? Absolutely. But he's got to come on his terms, and I—he's got to know—he's got to know that that he is loved, right, and that. In the end, it's not church for church's sake. And and he's getting it. I mean, he's getting it. And this has only been a few weeks. And so, I mean, I had a, I had a student over the other day. I have, a, I have an old Volkswagen Beetle, like a 1972 Volkswagen Beetle. And I'd pull the engine out, which is not as hard as it sounds. And I had a student here for seven hours just helping me work on the car. Mm-hmm. Do you know how much ministry I do laying underneath my car just talking life? I mean, it's great. And and not only does just the ministry and the conversation, but those are memories that these students take with them for life. 
they may not remember what I taught on last week, but he'll remember working on that car with me forever. A- absolutely. And so I think we need to take advantage of some of those as well. How do we go about then? I mean, is there an element where we need to communicate this to parents? Yeah, I do. I do communicate this to parents. Um, and, and so I try to be filled with, with grace and I try to make sure that, uh, that my ministry to a student isn't, isn't so program centric that it falls apart if they're not there for two weeks. And so, uh, I'll tell parents, you know, hey, um, lacrosse season's coming up. I, I, I know who plays lacrosse. Um, in my church and I can email their parents just the list of people who play lacrosse, which is pretty cool. And uh, I can say, Hey, I know lacrosse season's coming up. And during lacrosse season, they, um, in the month of March, they have Sunday morning travel practices. So they're not here. And, um, you know, rather than go on my crusade that lacrosse is evil and you should pull your kid out of lacrosse, what I say is I want to have, um, a burrito or whatever with your student this month and I'm going to text them and set it up. And I'm going to let you know if they don't, and then you're going to set it up for me. You know, basically saying, I want to talk to your kid about Jesus on, on Sunday at youth group. And if I can't talk to your kid about Jesus on Sunday at youth group, I still want to talk to your kid about Jesus. Yeah. Um, that, that, what that does is that makes the Jesus part more important than the program part. Yeah. And I think, again, it's just, you got to pursue like crazy. This idea of this passive youth group thing where I'm just going to program it and they're going to come is ridiculous and not effective. Yeah, I agree. And then uh, the other thing that I do is I I dig. I dig at what I'm too busy actually means. I would say two-thirds of the time I'm too busy is a vanilla excuse that covers something else. Um, Either either because they just don't like youth group and they don't want to tell me that to my face. So they say I'm really busy with school or because it's covering something else they don't want to share. And, uh, I had a student who after months and months of me trying to, to get him to come finally told me that, uh, he's in counseling because he has pretty significant social anxiety. And, uh, we're, we're a large youth group. You know, we have over a hundred people here most of the time. And so if you have social anxiety, um, the idea of coming to a place with, with music and people running around and there's over a hundred, he's terrified to come. Um, not cause he doesn't like Jesus, not cause he doesn't like me, not cause he doesn't dislike people individually. Crowds scare him. And, uh, I got the, I'm too busy lying for, for months until I finally actually tried to listen to figure out what was really going on. And, uh, I think that's an important step too. you know, often we'll find uh, I'm not coming to youth group because uh, I was dating that other girl from youth group and we broke up and it's really awkward now. And uh, is that a good enough reason? I don't know, but that's a kid who needs, who needs a mentor, who needs some support in his life either way. And so dig, dig, dig and find out what's going on and don't give up on a kid just because they're not at your program, your ministry um, to students is not dependent on them attending your program. Yeah, I think what you're describing is going after the heart and not after the action. And too often we we go after the action and forget that the heart drives the action. Yeah, I would say it's easier. Um, it's easy sometimes to value a student's attendance more than you value the student. Yes. Well, yeah, because you all want numbers, right? Mm-hmm. And, 
I mean, I've written about that. We why your numbers really why your numbers matter and why they don't matter because they they do matter to a point, but not maybe as much as you think. And we've got to be really careful how we define success in our ministries. And oftentimes, if you find in your ministry that there is a an overemphasis on numbers in your student ministry, it's probably because when people ask you how things are going, the first thing you do is tell them how many kids you had, mm-hmm. which you're training people that that numbers are what defines success. I mean, I had a conversation two weeks ago with with an adult um, in our church, and and they were they they gave me the the line, well meaning, well intended, but you know, if only if just one student comes to Christ, it's worth it. And I, I challenged him back and said, I don't, I don't think so. I think if, if we're obedient and no one comes to Christ, it was worth it because God calls us to obedience first. And you don't have to look much further than the prophet Jeremiah to see that lived out uh, in scripture. So I think, I think you're so right in, in that, that, you know, attendance is great. Do we want them all there? Yeah, sure we do. But it can't be the most important thing. I think, have you noticed, this is maybe kind of along those lines, like, it seems like I'm noticing more and more students with some of, with, with some of those anxieties. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it, it's all, I think you can draw a direct line between um, depression rates, social anxiety, seasonal anxiety, any kind of, any kind of a disorder that ends in anxiety disorder. You can draw a straight line between those and the fact that teenagers are um, chronically underslept. What you're saying is we should not do lock-ins anymore. Well, I've been saying that for a lot of, for a lot of time, you know, and for a lot of different reasons besides that. Yeah, but that's another talk. I'll take I'll take your reason. Okay, I'll, I'll actually take any reason, but I'll take that one. Maybe I should write a blog post: the top twenty reasons why you shouldn't do lock-ins. Because I'm I could come up with twenty pretty quickly. I, yeah, I think most <laughs> of us who have been in ministry for a, a little while could probably do that. I had a conversation not too long ago with one of our youth pastor network meetings about lock-ins. And one of the guys said, man, when I get to heaven, I'm going to punch the guy that invented the lock-in in the mouth. And the other guys standing there said, oh, you don't have to worry. He's not going to be in heaven. Yeah. You know? No, no. So have you ever done a lock-in and gotten to the end of like the, the all-nighter? Have you ever gotten to the end of an all-nighter when students were leaving and seen a student leave happy? No. I've never seen a student leave a lock-in happy. No. I have more kids who came to a lock-in, had a great time. At 1 a.m., they were having a great time. And by the time their parents came to pick them up, they're like, I'm never coming back here again. This was horrible. <laughs> but then and two then, weeks later, they oh, want yeah. to have another lock-in. Yep. Yeah. I hate them, man. I hate them. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Jesus uses them. I know he does, and he has. But I, I don't like them. I don't like them. So if you were going to say to somebody listening, like if you're going to just kind of bare bones, like here's, okay, you've got students that are overcommitted, they're underslept, they're, they're eating poorly, it's not good and healthy for them. If you were going to say, hey, here's a few things just to be mindful of or things that you need to be communicating, what would those be? I would be mindful of the fact that um, all those things that they're overcommitted to Every one of those leaders wants them to be more committed to their thing. Their band teacher wants them to practice more. Uh, their basketball coach wants them to train more. Uh, their physics teacher wants them to study more. And all three of those people are already pulling on that kid's arms. Um, and, and I, I could be wrong on this, Jody, but I don't know 
that I see Jesus walking into that and just pulling on the kid more. Um, I just don't, I just don't see it happening that way. That instead of just trying to, to violently pull them and make them quit everything, that we should open up with, with love and peace and, and let that attract them. Um, I, I also think that we need to keep in mind that busy students have really busy parents. Um, you know, that kid that is involved in all those activities, someone else is managing his schedule. He's not managing his own calendar. Mom is in charge of managing the calendar. Mom and dad are in charge of driving him everywhere. And so you're also, you know, fighting that when you say, hey, um, you know, Wednesday night, I know there's no practice. Why don't you come to this thing? And you're saying, you know, this is the one free night that this family has. Um, and th- there's a temptation to fill it. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But having grace for those parents, too, would be a great first step. Um, and And theologically, it kind of goes back to what I mentioned earlier, which is, we have a message of grace to share and let's not use guilt as a tool to share our message of grace. Yeah. And I think for us, one of the things that we try to do is we try to communicate really, really intentionally to the parents of the importance of kind of helping establish boundaries and priorities for their family and for their students that, I mean, my oldest right now, you know, is in middle school. I get it. Like, I'm feeling that. Everybody wants you to do everything. And and because everybody is, all of her friends are doing everything, she also wants to be at everything, right? And so mm-hmm. those are conversations that we are just consistently having to have saying, listen, you can't do everything. You don't, you don't have to do everything. That's okay. Like, pick a few things that you're really going to enjoy. And let's give those your all and and do your very best in the things that you can do. And so I think just encouraging parents in that, like, help set those priorities, help set those boundaries for you, for them, you know, for their families is really important. But not just, again, not just coming and guilting them and saying, you're so busy, your kids can't come to church. You know, I think the message needs to be, Jesus needs to be the center of your home. And whatever that looks like in your home, that's what it needs to look like. And, you know, if you're not, if you're running five million directions and you're never speaking or talking about the gospel, in the end, it's not really going to help. And so you can do all those things, you know, you can do all those things. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got to, you got to shepherd your, your kid's heart. And that doesn't necessarily always look like coming to church every time the doors open, but it, it takes on the parents' part just some confidence and, and some intentionality as well, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, if I had a family that, uh, you know, maybe on, on Wednesday nights, they, you know, they were, they were busy. Everyone's busy. But on Wednesday nights, um, you know, they always read scripture together and prayed together and ate together. I wouldn't push them to do anything else on Wednesday nights. That's exactly what what they should be doing. And I, I think a lot of times the the approach that we take to guilt students into not being there bleeds over into the home and the parents. And in the end, it just drives them away even more, right? Because now they just feel guilty because they're not at church. And they, they feel shame because they're not really... Um, they're not really discipling their their family. They're not really steering steering that and instead of coming alongside and being able to be an encouragement to them 
you know, we just cover them up with guilt and shame. Yeah, absolutely. So I think now at the same time, if you never see a student, that's a problem. You know, if they're not coming to anything ever and and the family just kind of, you need to be aware, I think like you're saying, even with lacrosse stuff, be aware of those seasons of life that seem to get busier. Um, and when those end, you got to chase those kids like crazy because the habit of not being there can really set in and become, you know, a problem. Yeah. But like I said earlier, you know, if I never see a student, then too busy isn't the real reason. Absolutely. That's where, again, relationships have to be so key. And and I think the pressure doesn't need to be, you know, for the youth pastor, for the youth worker, don't feel the pressure that you have to be that for every student. That's why you pull other folks around you. Yeah. And the first step that I challenge people, you know, the there's a the pursuit of perfection is what paralyzes us. Sometimes we look at our list and there's 30 kids and how will I ever have time to, to, you know, talk one-on-one with these 30 kids. And well, you don't have to, you look at that list of 30 kids, you pray about that list of 30 kids and you say, um, God, which one are you going to lay on my heart this week? And then you go after that one and you repeat it the next week. So you're, you're not looking at it saying, man, there's so many kids that aren't here. There's no way I could ever meet with them all. You're just saying, there's so many kids that aren't here. How can I meet with one of them this week and find out what's going on? And sometimes it's a simple text message. You know, sometimes it's just a, uh, hey, I'm thinking about you and praying for you today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So this this uh, student that I mentioned earlier with the social anxiety, um, you know, he's he, we all have these students who for whatever, you know, he hadn't been here for about three months. He, he's not the only student who hadn't been here for three months, but... For whatever reason, this was the kid that kind of kind of haunted me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that that God was just laying this kid on my heart, and and not to say that that I don't value the other ones or that God doesn't value the other ones, but this is the one that God was laying on me, and so He was the one that that now I'm meeting with Him uh, once a week, and hopefully trying to get Him a little more comfortable and 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 generate some ideas of how we can get Him involved in a program that's not gonna gonna freak Him out. But I think. I think, and I wrote this in a blog post, um, I think God lays those students on our hearts all the time. And I think pretty much everyone listening to this is can think of, you know, that one student who just kind of haunts you. And God lays that on our hearts, and we feel that, and we interpret it clearly, but we, we sometimes screw up our next step, which is when God lays a student on my heart, God's not saying, hey, Aaron, I'm really laying the student on your heart so you can invite him to a program. I, I try to think of it as God's laying the student on my heart so that I can go be in relationship with him. That's my next step when God convicts me that way. I think we've all been there. You know, we've all been there. And I don't feel, and I think like you're saying, don't feel so burdened to reach everybody that you in, that you in turn reach no one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can't sacrifice the, I mean, be a youth pastor to, to somebody, right? And yeah, that, that's a great, that's a great line. Be a youth pastor to somebody. Because I've seen it and I've been there in seasons of my life where I'm so stressed and so worried about, I don't want to be seen like I'm playing favorites or I don't want to, you know, and at the end, in the end of that, I, I, I kind of look back and go, well, gosh, what have I really done? Like I've invested in no one. Mm-hmm. You know, I've just invested in no one for the sake of trying to invest in everybody. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, you just can't do that. 
Well, cool, man. I know you've written a bunch about this. We'll put some links to some of those, to a couple of those posts here in the show notes, um, for folks to grab. Uh, and I know also on your blog, you're doing, you, I know you've got the tensile, the essential time management course, which is great. Yeah. It's been a, it's been really cool. We, we try to teach youth pastors how to manage their time better. That's one of those skills that uh, we don't have and it leads to burnout and, and a dozen other problems. So yeah, I think if, if somebody just sat down and really honestly logged their time and how they spend it, they would find that it, they're not really as busy as they think. Yeah, either they're not really as busy as they think or they're busy on things that, that don't matter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we all the, for all the talk and the guilt and the shame that we throw at students and parents for busyness, we seem to um, forget that we are also guilty of those things that if we, we weren't, I mean, let's be honest. If we weren't youth pastor, youth worker being paid or in charge of being at all those events, we probably wouldn't be at all of them either. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah. That's, that's always been a convicting thought for me. And that's always kind of that question that I ask is if you weren't, if you were a volunteer or you were a student, would you go to all three of these things every week? Yeah, probably not. Probably not. Probably not. So, folks, uh, you got to. How about this? Is there a resource out there that you would throw out to just recommend for ministry wise for those listening? Well, I, I would obviously recommend the time management course that we just mentioned. Um, but you know, because I don't want to be that guy that plugs myself, I'm going to go ahead and recommend a, a book. Okay. Um, and the the book is called "Play It Away" by Charlie Hohen. H O E H N. And uh, Charlie Hohen is not, to my knowledge, a, a Christian, uh, although he seems to be friendly to Christians, and he might be. Um, and it's not a Christian book. But um, Charlie Hohen is a, a guy who was like a, a Silicon Valley um, young stud out of college, you know, brilliant genius who wanted to go make his millions and just suffered um, burnout. I mean, just some pretty terrible burnout stuff happened to him and and it got serious and he talks about in the book, you know, um, how he developed some anxiety and some depression all related to his, his, his burnout. And, uh, there's some incredible similarities actually between youth pastors and people who work in Silicon Valley. Hmm. Um, meaning that often these are people who are very young, um, right out of college or often still in college who, um, are incredibly ambitious and believe they can change the world. And, that similarity causes us to work in similar ways. You know, you read stories about these, these guys out in, in Cali who, you know, sleep in their offices and work too late and they're up early and doing the same thing that youth pastors do. And so he outlines, uh, basically the steps that he took to overcome his burnout, getting his diet under control, getting his sleep under control, managing his stress. And these are all, all things I would absolutely recommend that any youth worker who's on a burnout path should read this book. Yeah, and even if you feel like you're not, read the book because you probably are. Oh, yeah. Just, you just don't recognize it. This this is a book that if you're not there, then you, you should read it and you should keep it on your bookcase because if you're, if you're a youth worker and you're not at burnout right now, uh, there's like an 87% chance, I think, <laughs> yeah. that you're going to get there at some point. Uh, Wayne Cordero has written a book called Leading on Empty. I don't yes. Know so good. It's another book that I recommend along those same lines. Um, and just, it's a big issue, man. It's a huge yeah. issue. No, I actually, I typically recommend both of those books. If you would have given me two, that that's the one I would have chosen. 
Yeah, it's um, so good. Both because, of them. Yeah, Wayne Cordero na- nails the, the spiritual stuff, and uh, and uh, Charlie Hohen really nails the other stuff really well. I mean, they, they just play really well together. I think every they should be required reading for youth workers. Yeah, I think they should be required reading for everybody. I mean, because... He, and here's the thing, too. Like, you may be the youth pastor. You may be listening. You may be the youth pastor, and you've got volunteers working for you. They can totally experience the same burnout. Oh, they do. And and we typically don't do a good enough job of uh, protecting and shepherding our volunteers. Um, you know, where youth ministry is unfortunately um, embraced a volunteer model of use them up and spit them out, um, yeah. which is heartbreaking. Yeah. And I think a lot of times folks come in serving in our ministries, they're really excited, but they kind of get in there and then there's no way out. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't know they were committing for life. Yeah. And and so then there's this, again, back to this guilt and shame thing of leaving and abandoning these youth and these students. Um, and so we can burn them out just as quickly as well. Yeah. So I think if we could summarize everything that we've said so far, we would say guilt and shame is is a tool that we should remove from our arsenal. Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, if folks want to find you and connect with you more, where would they go? Uh, the blog is smarteryouthministry.com, and uh, my name is Aaron Hellman, and you can find me there on the Twitter machine. Well, cool, man. Thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Really good stuff and things we definitely need to be mindful of, I think, um, especially going forward, because it's not slowing down. It, it's not going to. It's just getting worse. And so, um, man, those listening, head over to smarteryouthministry.com. I highly recommend that. I always appreciate it, man, because... So much of your stuff that you put out is so fact-driven. You really put the time in to do the research. You're, you're not just kind of, I mean, you put a lot of time into those posts, and, and it shows, and, and I appreciate that very much. Well, thank you. So head on over there. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on. All right. You're welcome. And we'll catch you later, man. All right. And there you have it. That's that. A great interview with Aaron. Again, I would highly recommend you head over to smarteryouthministry.com. Check out all that he has going on over there. Again, the show notes will have all the links and resources that we talked about and mentioned in the interview there, and you can find those at thelongerhall.com slash episode 008. And then one final plea, if, you, uh, if you're enjoying the show, head over to iTunes, subscribe and leave a review there. Man, I would really appreciate that so very very much. And that'll do it. That'll put it in the books. Thanks for listening again. We'll see you in the next episode. Until then, give them Jesus. Thanks for listening to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast at www.thelongerhall.com.